Father in heaven, thank you for this time. Lord, we are just ever grateful for the time that you do give us. There is a big pandemic that is going on right now. And for the life and health that you grant us, Lord, help us to be even mindful of these blessings that you grant to us. Thank you for seeing us safely through another week. And thank you for this opportunity to come and study your word once more. I just ask for your Holy Spirit to please be with us, Lord. Guide us now as we read your word. Speak to our hearts and our minds, O Father. Illumine them that we might be drawn closer to thee, that your eye, our eyes of understanding might be opened this evening as we study into this encounter. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our encounter this evening is Jesus' encounter with the woman with the spirit of infirmity. And let's just get straight into our first Bible text, shall we? It's found here in Luke chapter 13, verses 10 and 11. The Bible says this, And as he was teaching in one of the synagogues, and he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and behold, there was a woman with the, which had the spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bowed together and could in no wise lift up herself. Jesus, he was teaching here on the Sabbath. And it's of notable mention in the story. We're going to come right back to this detail in just a short little while. But as he is teaching, what happens? There was this woman that had this spirit of infirmity, the Bible says, and that she had this infirmity for 18 years. She had been sick for 18 years. The word infirmity just simply means sickness. And she was bowed over. She was hunched over. She could not look up. She was what we call a hunchback. And you know, sometimes we don't think about this. You know, I, I, I hunch over a lot and it's not good. All these years of looking at the phone and the, the, the TV screen and the computer, just looking down too much and not exercising properly and all of that. I praise the Lord that we have a physiotherapist that comes to my home church here. And a Jap, you've been helping us with our backs. We've been doing our planks properly. But this woman, she was sick for 18 years. And you know, in our modern day, what do we call this sort of infirmity for 18 years? Back problem, maybe it was scoliosis or some sort of spine problem, you know, and doctors would diagnose her to go see a chiropractor or a physiotherapist and whatever treatment that she tried to, to receive to get it straightened out, it did not help. And you know, we don't know what her past background was. And why do I say this? You know, we, we don't know what, what she did, whether she had sinned or not, um, but it seems to indicate that she had not sinned and brought this disease upon herself. Why? Because when you look at some of the past encounters that Jesus had with some people that, that were sick, you know, he, he was quite specific sometimes in what he said, of which we don't see it here, in this encounter. For example, the, the man that was lame, that had to be carried by his four friends and, you know, they couldn't get through the crowd and so they went up onto the rooftop and broke, made a hole in the roof and they lowered him down. You know, this man, um, it's so interesting that when before Jesus healed him and told him to get up and walk, notice what he said to him in Mark chapter 2 and verse 5. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Obviously, this man, 
he needed spiritual healing first before he needed the physical healing. It must have been something that he did that put himself in this state of not being able to walk. He, he, he had committed some sort of sin. And Jesus knew that this man needed to hear the words of forgiveness rather than healing first of physical healing. He needed to be forgiven of his sins. And you know, so Jesus, he, he forgives him in the heart. And you know, so, some of us, we, we carry heavy burdens about and around with us sometimes that cause us physical sickness as well. You know, the man that had been lame for 38 years, we studied about this one as well. He was lying by the pool of Bethesda, you remember that? And he was waiting for an angel to stir the pool so that when he went in, he could be healed. Of course, that was a fable. We don't know if that really was true or not. But he had been sick and lame for 38 years. Jesus comes and asks him, do you want to be made whole? And he said, of course I want to be whole. And Jesus was the one that told him, rise up, take up your bed and walk. And he got up and he ran off and he was so happy. But Jesus would meet him again later. And look what he would say to him as well. John chapter 5 and verse 14. Afterward, Jesus findeth him in the temple and saith unto him, Behold, thou art made whole. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come unto thee. So this man, he had also been sinning as well. And his sin had put him in the state of being made a cripple too, that he could not walk for 38 years. And so Jesus, he warned him. And, and many times he, he tells people this, you know, I forgive you of your sins or, or go and sin no more, you know. And, and people need, they need the spiritual healing. They say nine out of 10 diseases begin in the mind. More often than not, it is what's happening in here that we need to be relieved of, that mental stress and that spiritual burden that we carry about us, that many of us, we need to hear the words of Jesus. But with this woman who was bowed over for 18 years, she had this spirit of infirmity. She was sick, but it doesn't seem to indicate that she was afflicted by something that she herself did. It was just some sort of physical sickness, a physical malady, something that was not her own doing. And of course, we have much of that in our world today as well. Some of us were sick because of things that we inflict upon ourselves and others they're sick simply because they just contracted a disease and it was not their fault. They were minding their own business. They did not do anything to, to deserve this, but they just simply got sick. And it seems to indicate that this woman was of that category. She was eating healthy. She was exercising. She was going to bed on time. Yet somehow this disease still caught her. And so 18 years, 18 years, can you believe that? That's how long this woman had been bent over for, who had this spirit of infirmity. Let's continue now. In Luke chapter 13 and now verse 12. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. 
So Jesus, he sees her and he has compassion on her and speaks life and power into her limbs and her bones and lays his hand upon her and makes her whole. He speaks to her and shows her the power of his word. But yet there is also the healing touch as well. And as soon as this woman is touched by Jesus, she stands up straight and she begins to praise God. She glorifies God. She's thankful for the blessing of health. And you know, friends, we ought to be thankful for the blessing of health as well. The fact that many of you have not caught COVID and maybe, yes, some of your family members and friends have. Um, but th the fact that many of you have not, it is a blessing from God. It's so easy to take for granted our health, isn't it? Especially when you're young, you're full of energy and vigor, and you eat all the junk food, and you're still healthy. That definitely is an, a miracle of God. It is an act of God to keep you still healthy, whilst others might eat the same food and get really, really sick because of it. So this woman, she is healed from her sickness of 18 years and then she stands up straight and she begins to praise God. However, something interrupts this joyous occasion of seeing someone who'd been sick for 18 years brought back to full health and strength. What happens next? In Luke chapter 13 and verse 14, the Bible continues. And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation. You see that word indignation? It means anger. Because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day and said unto the people, There are six days in which men ought to work. In them therefore come and be healed and not on the Sabbath day. The celebration is interrupted with a harsh sound that comes from the ruler of the synagogue. His tone is not in harmony with all the celebration and the praises and the happiness and the joy that is taking place before Christ as we see this woman healed. He is angry. But what could, be a what, what could a person possibly be angry about, especially when someone is healed from their sickness of 18 years? Why was he angry? What did the man say? Oh, he said there's six days that you can work and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath day, which is meant to be a rest day. You see, this man, he, he was zealous for the Sabbath, at least. That's what the Bible seems to indicate, isn't it? And, and he just declared that Jesus had broken the Sabbath by healing this woman on the Sabbath day. And, you know, other encounters, we read how, how this man was healed on the Sabbath and he took up his bed and he walked and the Pharisees are, oh, you're, you're, you're carrying your bed, you're, you're breaking the Sabbath. But in this instance, all Jesus did was heal. That the woman wasn't carrying any bed. All she did was stand straight up. That's all that happened. And the ruler of the synagogue, we'll call him a pastor, he came and reprimanded Christ and said, how dare you heal and break the Sabbath by healing this woman on the Sabbath day? There's other days that you can heal. You don't have to heal on this day. He declared that Jesus had broke the law. He had a pretended zeal for the law, a zeal that was misplaced. I mean, after all, 
yes, he was the ruler of the synagogue and it seemed like he was in a position of, of religious authority. If anybody should have known how to keep the Sabbath, it would have been this man, right? And he just declared that Jesus broke the Sabbath. But how does Jesus respond? Everyone else has either gotten used to this type of behavior or they were living under this pretended holiness from this man. And, you know, they, they were shocked. They, all, they, they were probably in shock of the ruler of the synagogue that he would say such a thing more, more, than, more than just living under this pretended holiness. You know, but Jesus, he's not rattled. He's not intimidated. Look at how he responds in Luke chapter 13, 15 through 17. The Lord then answered him and said, Thou hypocrite, doth not each of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or his ass from the stall and lead him away to watering? And ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound, lo, these eighteen years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? You know, Jesus, he gave a very clear example of what they did on the Sabbath. You know, they would open the gate for their cows or their donkeys to go and get a drink of water. I mean, after all, they needed to drink, right? I mean, they, they probably could have survived without food, but to survive without water for a whole day? No, they, on the Sabbath, they would let their cattle and all that go out for a drink. And they didn't consider that a violation of the Sabbath. It, it was work, but it wasn't breaking of the Ten Commandments in their eyes, you see. So, you know, it's so interesting that, that Jesus, he, he would raise this. I mean, I, I'm here healing a person and now you're, you're, you're blaming me just because I healed a person and you're okay to, to let a cow or a, a donkey drink on the Sabbath? You know, this is not the only time that Jesus is accused of breaking the Sabbath. Remember, he was accused of breaking it. Accused. But it doesn't mean he actually broke the Sabbath. Jesus did no sin. He was sinless. He was spotless. Otherwise, he could not be our Savior. And so, no, Jesus never broke the Sabbath. He was not violating any of the Ten Commandments. And Jesus wasn't trying to redefine how to keep the Sabbath. What He said Himself in Exodus 20, and when He wrote it on the tables of stone, He still meant it with every fiber of His being. That was that was his character. That was who he was. When he said, thou shalt rest on the Sabbath, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, don't work, don't get anyone else to work for you. He was still obeying that and he still believed that. He was not redefining the Sabbath. What he was doing was redefining the Sabbath in the, in the thought process, in the thinking of the Jews. You see that? They are the ones that had, had twisted the Sabbath and made it a big burden and not at all what, what God intended for the Sabbath to be. So they had twisted the Ten Commandments. They added so much there that it, wasn't, it was unrecognizable almost as the law of God. It was more a tradition of man. Jesus had many instances with the Jewish teachers and leaders about the issue of the Sabbath. He had many encounters with them. 
And I can't help but to think that it was intentional in some cases so that he could stir up people's thoughts about the rigors of the Jewish traditions and especially as what he himself said as hypocrites, their hypocrisy. So look, here's another confrontation that Jesus had with the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the day concerning the Sabbath. In Matthew chapter 12, verses 10 through 14, this is what the Bible says. And behold, there was a man which had his hand withered. And they asked him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath days, that they might accuse him? And he said unto them, What man shall there be among you, that shall have one sheep, and if it fall into a pit on the Sabbath day, will he not lay hold of it and lift it out? How much then is a man better than a sheep? Wherefore it is lawful to do well on the Sabbath days. Then saith he to the man, Stretch forth thine hand. And he stretched it forth, and it was restored whole like as the other. Then the Pharisees went out and held a council against him, how they might destroy him. In this encounter, it was very similar. Jesus, on the Sabbath day, healed a man's hand that had been withered. We, we don't know what that is and what happened, but it had withered and it was of no use and it was not usable. And so they, they, they were trying to accuse Christ for being willing to heal this man. And they were all standing there watching and waiting to see what Christ would do. And so Jesus, he, he reasons with the Pharisees again. How many of you, if you see your sheep had fallen into a pit, into a ditch, they'd hurt themselves on the Sabbath, would you not go out and go into the ditch and pull them out? I mean, surely by the time you pulled the sheep out, you would have been sweaty. You would definitely have been dirty. You'd definitely have to go back and shower again on the Sabbath. You know, all these things. That, and, and Jesus reasoned with them. And, you know, the Pharisees were so angry that Jesus still went ahead and healed this man and his hand that was withered. But he said, isn't a man so much better than a sheep? Of course, it required less effort to heal this man than to pull that sheep out of the ditch. These people, they had a higher regard for a dumb animal than for a person who had been suffering a physical malady for a long time. That, my friends, is hypocrisy at its best. Can you imagine? caring more for an animal than for human beings? A dumb animal that is not able to reason? Yes, of course they feel the suffering. And I mean dumb in terms of they don't understand total human emotions. They don't understand reason and logic and all of that. But yet the Jews, they were willing to help a sheep or a donkey or a cow more than they were willing to help man. And look, Look at their reaction when Jesus would ask them the question. Look at this. In Mark chapter 3, the very next chapter, we read, oh, Mark chapter 2, it was a similar story. But in Mark chapter 3, then Jesus asked them, Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath days or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they what? They held their peace. They just remained silent. Can you believe that? They were just angry that they were being challenged probably by someone who did not have the same level of religious education that they had. 
or they, they just felt angry that anyone would just challenge them. They felt disrespected because their hypocrisy was probably being revealed. And they realized that they had been caught in, in this superficial religious pretended guise that they had. And Jesus, he would reason with them on another occasion. It was not just once. It was not just twice. With the encounter that we're looking at this is the third time. But in John chapter 7, verses 22 and 23, Moses therefore gave unto you circumcision, not because, because it is of Moses, but of the fathers. And ye on the Sabbath day circumcise a man. If a man on the Sabbath day receives circumcision, that the law of Moses should not be broken. Are ye angry at me because I have made a man every whit whole on the Sabbath day? Do you see that? The, 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 the law of circumcision, they attributed it to the law of Moses. But, you know, Jesus says it is, is really not from Moses. Moses just wrote it down, but it originated, originated with Abraham, right? He was the first person to get circumcised. He was commanded and asked by God. And he, he's saying that, look, you on, on the Sabbath are willing to circumcise a person. You're willing to put the law of Moses the Torah above the Ten Commandments. You see, and they had no problem with that. You see, in Leviticus chapter 12 and verse 3, the, the law of Moses is very specific. And in the eighth day, the flesh of his foreskin shall be circumcised. They had to be circumcised on the eighth day. It was a law, a law from Moses himself. And if that eighth day happened to fall on the Sabbath, they would think, guess what? It's okay to circumcise on this day. They didn't think twice about it. They didn't think that they were breaking the Sabbath. No, it was okay to circumcise on the Sabbath. But yet here the Pharisees, they were thinking it's not okay to heal a person on the Sabbath. It was okay to do this work on the Sabbath, circumcise, cutting off that foreskin from, from a, the male genitalia. It was okay to do this horrid work on the Sabbath because Moses required it, or Abraham, or whatever law required it, right? But yet they were not willing to allow a man or a woman to be healed on the Sabbath. That was the depth of the hypocrisy that they went to. Jesus heals on the Sabbath, and now they have a problem. But you see, I can't help but think that Jesus intentionally did this. He didn't heal everybody on the Sabbath. Of course, he definitely healed on other days as well. But it was on the Sabbath day that the Pharisees had a special problem with Jesus doing such a thing. And he wanted to challenge them. He wanted to help them to see that they were holding on to man-made traditions and not following the law of God as how God intended for them to follow from the very beginning. It had been twisted. Here's another instance. Mark chapter 2, 23 and 24. And it came to pass that he went through the cornfields on the Sabbath day. And his disciples began as they went to pluck the ears of corn. And the Pharisees said unto him, Behold, why do they on the Sabbath day that which is not lawful. 
you know, Jesus and the disciples, they were nomads. They didn't have a place to call home. They moved here and there, lived under different people's houses. And, and so they, they didn't have a place to store food and everything. They were just constantly on the move. And it just so happened on the Sabbath, as they were just walking along, they plucked some corn, took it off the stalk, and they opened it up and threshed it, and they began to eat it. And the Pharisees saw it and blamed them and accused them of what? Breaking the Sabbath. They were just condemned by the Pharisees for breaking the Sabbath here and there and everywhere. And, and was Jesus breaking the Sabbath? Were the disciples breaking the Sabbath? No, they were just plucking corn off, opening up and eating it. That's all it is. You know you can eat raw corn, right? Maybe some of you who have not used to, to getting the corn off the stalk, you get all the frozen corn. It's different, isn't it? But corn can be eaten raw. It can be. You don't have to cook it all. You don't have to barbecue it or, or put it on a grill or, or go and uh, boil it or whatever it is. And that's what the disciples did. And they were blamed for breaking the Sabbath. Look, Jesus was not trying to get rid of the Sabbath day, okay? He was trying to get rid of man-made traditions. The, the, Jew, the, the Jewish nation was carrying a burden that God had not told them to carry. Jesus was not trying to change the Sabbath. He was not trying to destroy the Sabbath. He was trying to help them to have a right understanding of the Sabbath. Is it still relevant even for us today? Yes, it is. Look at Hebrews chapter 4, verses 9 to 10. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that is entered into his rest, he also hath ceased from his own works, as God did from his. The fourth commandment today has not been changed. It's still relevant to us. And look, that's another topic for another time. I know that there are many people that believe that the Sabbath has been changed and it's not necessary for us to keep, or they'll say it's, it's out of date, you know, it's not relevant, it's, it's, it can't be kept in this day and age that we're living in, but friends, I still believe it is. I still believe that it's binding. You've got to show me where it isn't, isn't relevant. Jesus never said to the Pharisees, you don't need to keep the Sabbath anymore. He never said that. He said, you guys are hypocrites. Because you're willing to pull a cow out of the ditch or a sheep out of the ditch on the Sabbath or water them and take care of them, but you're not willing to let me heal a person on the Sabbath. Friends, I believe that the Bible is very clear. The Sabbath is still relevant for us today. And just as God rested on the Sabbath, we should be resting as well. And friends, if you have a job that requires you to work on the Sabbath, you need to just call it quits. You got to trust God. You got to believe him. You got to have faith in him that he knows what is best for you and that he will still provide for you. Yes, even in this time of pandemic. Maybe some of you knew before the pandemic that about the Sabbath and its importance. And, you know, you're probably sitting here accusing me now. Oh, Ben, how, how dare you tell me to quit my job? But friends, it's more difficult now because maybe you did not obey earlier on. But friends, you got to learn to trust God. If you want to keep the comments, you got to have faith. You got to trust him. You got to believe him. You got to love him. You got to have a relationship with him. And I believe that the commandments are just as binding today as they were back then. But the question is this, though. The question that I want to look at this evening is how did the Pharisees, 
How did they get to this point? That they would be so hypocritical, that they would be so judgmental, that they would be so rigorous about the law, that they would go above and beyond the call of duty and try to keep the law of God in a way that God never wanted them to keep it. How did they get to this point? What was it that made them so hypocritical and so judgmental? How did they get caught up with the keeping of the law that they lost the spirit of the law? What was it? Look, you can see in scriptures like this in in Luke chapter 18 and verses 11 and 12, look at what the Pharisee says. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. You see, there was a publican standing right next to him praying there. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. You see, this Pharisee, he was just so focused on his his obedience of the law, his good works, and how he was not like all these other people. And you know, it's not that I'm saying that we shouldn't focus on the law, but they just made, but they just made that their righteousness was much bigger than everyone else's, and they compared themselves to everyone else. And the way they made themselves good was by condemning other people or seeing the dirt in other people, you see. They lost its spirit. They forgot to love their neighbor. They only loved themselves. They started looking at people rather than the gospel. And you know, friends, it's, it's, it's possible for us to get to this point of becoming a Pharisee even as you study and read the Bible and you spend time with Jesus. He leads you to a better lifestyle. He opens your eyes and helps you to see how to live a better life on this earth. And you know, for example, let me give you an example. Let's say you come to learn about the health message, okay? And you learn that... Uh, Eating late at night is not good for you. You shouldn't eat late at night. You shouldn't go to sleep the full stomach. And so you start practicing it. You start to put into practice, okay, I'm not going to go to sleep with a full stomach. I'm going to have my last meal at around 5.30 or 6 p.m. But then you see that the church, they organize a program and guess what? They start dinner at 8 o'clock. Some people don't even turn up until 8.30 and others, they don't start eating until 9 o'clock. And what happens? Just just because you learn about this healthy eating, you, you, that, that's foremost in your mind, and you start looking at the people. And yes, you care about the truth. You care about healthy lifestyle. You care about taking your body, taking care of your body as the temple of God because the Holy Spirit should live in there. Yes, that's important. All these things are important. You love God, but what happens? You start looking at other people. You start judging other people. You start looking at them and going, why aren't they doing this? Why? Oh, this person, if they knew God, they wouldn't be eating late at night. And we start judging them. And and not because we want to make ourselves feel good, but because as we begin to grow in truth and knowledge and understanding, we're expecting everyone else should be there at the same level, isn't it? But not everyone is at the same level. Some people are just at the first step, whereas you might be at the 100th step. And so the Pharisees, they came out of their religious rabbinical training and they thought that everybody must understand as them. And so they would teach them these things and if they didn't do it, they'd just condemn them. And so what happens? You stop attending such gatherings where people eat late. You start separating yourselves from the quote-unquote sinners 
of Israel. And we forget to give room for people to grow. We forget that we were like that at one point. We forget that if this happens in our minds, we can become just like the Pharisees. We forget that people were patient with us when we didn't know better as well. And so that's what happened to the Jewish leaders, friends. When they saw people breaking the law, they added more laws and defined the law so clearly down to the very atom so that people would, would make sure to keep it. But what started to happen? People, of course, were not able to keep it. And they start to lose sight of faith that lays hold of the power of God that helps us to obey. And they focused on the laws and the people. And what happened? Religion became a form. Religion became a form. They needed these works to be saved. You see, they lost the power that is found only in the gospel through faith. They forgot that it wasn't simply just about keeping the law. The inability to keep it showed their lack of spirituality and their faith and their love towards God. But instead of going back to that foundation to build upon that solid rock, instead of the shifting sand, they made more laws. They made more, more defined laws so that people could understand. If you want to keep the Sabbath, this is how you do it. And here was the 100, 200 items, a manual on how to keep the Sabbath. But friends, it's possible to grow in understanding of the life that God wants us to live. And sometimes we lose sight of the God that we find there in the first place. And all we see is what? Do's and don'ts. Laws and precepts and commandments and things that we got to do in order to get to heaven. And we start telling people, oh, you got to be vegetarian if you want to go to heaven or you got to stop eating late if you want to go to heaven. You know, we don't realize that what they need is Jesus not more works. And so as sometimes we lose the spirituality, we focus more on the do's and the don'ts, the letter, that black ink, that seemingly if we keep it, it'll help us get to heaven. We realize, or we forget, uh, pardon me, that it is only Jesus that can help us get to heaven. And friends, sometimes it's possible for us to lose the spirit of the law which is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, kindness, patience, gentleness, all these good things. Do you know what the fruits of the Spirit are? Why do we need all of this? Because you know the, the Ten Commandments is summarized into two, right? Love God and love man. Do you know why we need love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, kindness, patience, gentleness? You know, if I was to live in a little bubble all by myself, if I was a hermit, I wouldn't need any of that. Why do I need love? There's no one around to love. Why do I need to be patient? There's no one around that I need to be patient with. The fruits of the Spirit is so that we can be a blessing to other people, not be judgmental upon other people. You don't, you shouldn't strive to be righteous so that you can judge other people. Ah, yes, now, now I lived it. Now I can judge you. No, that's not the reason why God wants us to be righteous. He wants us to be righteous so that we can be a blessing to people. 
And it's possible that today, you know, as we read the Bible, as we, we, we learn more about the Bible, as we grow in knowledge and understanding, it's possible for us to become a Pharisee because we get caught up with all the works. We get caught up with all the works about what must I do to be saved? But friends, the true Christian does not ask that. They don't ask, what must I do to be saved? What should we ask? What must I do so that others can be saved? So when you see someone who is eating late at night and you don't believe it, you got to think about yourself, think to yourself, what can I do to help them to realize that eating late is not good for their bodies and it's going to hurt them, right? Many of us, we don't realize it. It's, it's like a doctor telling you all these diseases when you don't care. You know what I mean? It's, it's like when, when a person goes to the doctor, they're expecting a diagnosis, something very clear, yes. But, you know, when people come to church, they're not expecting a diagnosis from you. What do you have to do? You got to get close to them. You got to witness to them. You got to pray for them. You got to be patient with them. You got to be kind to them. You got to be gentle to them. You got to have the fruits of the Spirit. And that's exactly what the Pharisees forgot when they looked at the people, when they realized that they were sinners, they were like, oh, they were in disgust. They did not have the love of Jesus. And so this woman who was sick for 18 years, when Jesus healed her, all they cared about was the law and not the person. And friends, I'm not trying to say, once again, I need to clarify here. I'm not trying to say that the law is not important. We must work within the boundaries of the law. And yes, the Sabbath is one of them. But we got to make sure that within those boundaries of the law, it's not, I have to keep it, I have to keep it, I have to keep it so that I can be saved, so that I can go to heaven. No, friends we got to keep it so God's righteousness and His blessings can abide with us so that we can be a blessing to the whole world. We need to keep it today or else we can't be that blessing. Jesus never sinned and He was the greatest blessing to the world that, that we have ever encountered. No other man was ever a greater blessing than the spotless Son of God. And so today, you keep those laws not to be saved, but to save others. You, 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 you keep all the principles that are outlined there, not so that you can selfishly be in heaven, but that you can lead others to heaven as well. Friends, God wants you to be a blessing today. And as you grow in truth, as you grow in understanding of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, remember, don't get caught up with self. What must I do so that I can go to heaven? But let's get caught up with the Spirit of Christ who lived only to bless others. Then the keeping of the law, what is that? It's not the main meal. It's being a blessing to other people. And you look at the Ten Commandments. When you don't kill, are you a blessing to other people? You look, we, we all read that commandment, but to one it might be, I got to stop killing so I can go to heaven. But to the other, I need to stop killing so that I can be a blessing to the people. I got to stop lying. I got to stop stealing 
so I can bless my neighbor and the, the shop owner and the person at the corner, the uncle that I see every day. Not, I'm going to stop lying and stealing so I can go to heaven. Do you see that? It's a very different mentality. And many of us, we don't realize it. But God today, He wants you to be that rivers of living water. That as Jesus dwells in you, out of your belly shall flow these rivers of living water to become a blessing to all around you. And so this is what we learn about this from this encounter today. As we see that, yes, the woman was healed in an instant. We don't really see that much there, but we see the issue of the Sabbath coming out. And not just that, but any law, really. We've got to keep it, not for the sake of salvation, but for the sake of the salvation of others. I pray that God would help us to stop being so inward-focused about me, 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 my life, my own desires, my own thoughts, my own house, my own car, my own job, my own money, my own space, but that we would learn to start thinking about others and just stop thinking about ourselves. Jesus, all He had in His heart and mind was the blessing and the salvation of humanity. And that's the heart of Christ. And I pray that we would have that heart today as well. May God help us. May God fill us with His Spirit so that we can be a blessing to this world and not a curse. Let's bow our heads, shall we? Father in heaven, Lord, I thank you so much for this time that we can come and study your word together. Lord, we realize that we are so unlike Christ, that so many of us, we, we've just lived for ourselves, our time, our own money, our own possessions, our own place, our own space. Lord, please help us to stop living these selfish lives. Help us to start thinking about others. Give us the mind of Christ. Please, Lord, give us your heart. Give us your love. Please, give us your character. Help us to be a blessing to our neighbours, our friends, our family, and even the strangers that we don't know. That truly we can reflect your love and your blessings to all those around us. Lord, help us to come out of ourselves. Help us not to be pharisaical and hypocritical but help us to live the life that Jesus wants us to live today. We surrender our lives again to you now, Lord. Please mold us, fashion us into your image is our earnest plea and prayer. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.